Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here again. I hope you are doing well and still keeping safe. I've been saying that to you all week, so keep at it. Um, we are back with another episode where we get to know a familiar face from the world of Scottish women's football. And this time out, I am joined by a player who not only leads our side, but is also a trustee of for the Big Hearts Community Trust. Uh, I'm super chuffed to welcome Hearts captain Mario Carey onto the podcast. Mario, thank you very much for coming on. Hi, Chris. Thanks for inviting me. Ah, that's all right. Um, so, first question. I know we've we've obviously done what you always do when you record a podcast is we've had the preamble and then we've hit record. Yeah. So, but for the for the purposes of listening, how are you doing? How's how's things going just now? Yeah, things are good. Um, pretty busy being back at football now, um, but loving being back and uh, excited for the change in the weather and excited for a little bit of freedom that's coming our way. So, uh, all positive heading into spring. Yeah, the weather's been quite, I mean, it's a bit grey today, but up like the last week or so, it's been lovely. Oh, it's been lovely. I think our training slots have just caught the, caught the weather perfectly. We're a little bit earlier at the moment, it's still light, and it's just so nice to get out there after um, working. It's such a nice way to spend the night. Yeah, I was uh, I was speaking to somebody earlier on today, and I said uh, that it's getting to the stage now where I'm quite glad that you can get a haircut, because hats, <laughs> so we are, we're talking about this, I've got a hat on, and that's just because I've been out for a run and stuff. <laughs> And I'm just a riot, and I've just hats always cover those elves. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. How, how have the last few months all been for you in general? Just obviously with everything, I suppose. Yeah, it's been yeah, it's been pretty tough going. I suppose it has uh, for everyone. Uh, so uh, pretty busy at work. Um, I work at the courts, and the courts are still running. So it's been pretty busy, uh, COVID-wise, with that um, kind of stuff and missing football and the sort of structure that that it brought. Um, Spend a lot of time just in the flat where they're where you're used to being out so much. So, um, and it's difficult in the winter as well. I find it quite difficult uh, with just just the time of year. I think cold and wet and, and a bit dull. But um, the light of things are, are sort of on the up now, and, and that we're back and, and back into some sort of routine and, and normal life. And also the light that the hairdressers are opening because my lockdown <laughs> here is now controlling. There seems to be a lot of things with my face on it that have appeared recently, unfortunately, with my lockdown here. <laughs> that's unfortunate time. <laughs> that's that's the joy of podcast. Neither of us have to put our hair yes. out of the public. So that's that's a good thing about that. Um I, I do you know what I'd like like to chat a little bit more about just kind of like that balance of obviously like working and playing football because most a lot of the, the players I speak to are maybe at uni or are kind of in a different state of life, but we are we both have full time jobs. We were talking about that just before we started recording as well. How have you have you found that kind of like full time job, and then obviously not having football, now having football back, and balancing that with everything else that's been going on? How's that been for you? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm probably pretty lucky where I am, um, and I make it work, and, and people around me are, are quite supportive of that, and I can kind of be flexible in terms of when I do the work as long as I get the job done, and um, so that's a big help. Um, it's a, been a pretty busy time, which has made things quite difficult, um, and you've obviously got more time when you're when you're not playing football, but then you're also I just find myself a little bit less kind of motivated to think football having that sort of other sort of that sort of main passion is football I suppose for me so it kind of invigorates me and it, it sort of as soon as football back it sort of feels a bit like I hit a turbo button and then I just start going a million miles an hour again um, so it's quite nice to be back to that now um, and it, it's, it kind of makes me better at work and makes me more productive because I need to be productive in, in that hours that I've got and uh, yeah it gives me a better balance just in life I think really is particularly at a time like this working from home and stuff I mean the laptop's always there and it's easy to sit there until late at night whereas 
now because I've got football, I don't do that so much, and I tend to maybe be up a wee bit earlier and have a more productive morning and, and do it that way instead, which I think helps um, just with normal life, really. So, um, yeah, it's just all about balance, and sometimes it's really busy and, it, and it's more difficult than others, but um, most of the time I make it work. Yeah, I mean, I, it's interesting you talk about the fact that actually having more things coming back almost seems seems to help. I, I feel, felt that way as well, especially during that long summer, like furlough was happening as a thing and all those other things. And I, feel, I felt exactly the same. It was a case of actually when more stuff comes, even yeah. though I'm busier, I feel more in control of everything that's going on around. Is that, is that really? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's, I think you feel more productive and I always say like use energy to produce energy. And if you're not really doing anything or if you're just kind of, uh, then I feel like it demotivates me a wee bit and it's harder to do anything. Um, whereas when you're on the go all the time, then I don't know, you've just got such a focus and I feel like every day it's like, right, you've got lists, right, we need to get through this stuff, right, then we're doing this, then we're doing this. And um, obviously sometimes then that gets too much and you sort of crash, but for the majority of the time, yeah, I think it's, it kind of invigorates me and I think it's, I think it's the same for a lot of people, you know, sometimes it's, it's good to be busy and it's good to be active and, and productive. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll talk about one of those things that keeps you productive in big hearts a little bit later on. But let's talk about football, first of all. First question I always ask in these podcasts, it's <laughs> now basically one of the staples of the pod is, can you kind of share with me, what's your first memories of kicking the ball about? Uh, in my uh, garden with my big brother uh, when I was probably about five or something, I suppose. Uh, we used to be out there all the time. Um, and he was obviously bigger and stronger and older and, and better. <laughs> That wasn't very good at all. Um, but I used to play with him and then used to play with his friends and stuff when they were around. Um, so those are always my sort of first memories. And then from there, did, uh, when did it start becoming something that you participated in kind of willingly and you thought, oh, do you know what, I'm enjoying this? <laughs> yeah, so I think after that, then I think I joined the sort of primary school team, um, like P3 when I was about seven or something like that. Um, but it was still was the boys' team, and it was still, you know, it was like one time a week, maybe. Um, and so I was sort of trained on Saturday morning. Um, but I did enjoy it. It was obviously slightly harder with with playing with just the boys and not not quite so many friends doing it uh, at that stage. It wasn't, and then I played all all the way through primary school. We got a girls' team, I think, in my primary six, um, which was a total game changer and was a really nice experience. Um, and lots of people got involved actually, even at that stage, which was nice. Uh, and then it wasn't, and then I played high school football. It wasn't really until I was a bit older. I was at high school. I was about fourteen, and um, by the time I actually played club football, um, it just wasn't such a common thing to do. There wasn't that many clubs around. Um, I'm making myself sound really old here. I'm really not that. <laughs> the games changed so much in such a short space of time. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, it wasn't really until I was 14, uh, just about to turn 15, that I started playing club football. So it's quite changed days now to see some of our sort of academy girls coming in at under nines and they're already in that sort of setup that I was just starting out as a sort of, sort of primary school once a week. And they're so far ahead of that. It's amazing to see. No, absolutely. I think it is. It's, it is amazing to see. And like even having conversations with some of the other players over the last couple of weeks, it is interesting to hear those different stories from the, yeah. the guys who are starting out really and then people like like ourselves who have seen it seen a wee bit more um yeah. in terms of that that club game so where, where where was your first club where did you get started it was Hibs Girls actually it was the sort of um I think I think potentially one of the only clubs in at that point um that's probably about 14 years ago now um so yeah I was at Hibs 
and I was at Hibs for quite a long time. Um, and, and I loved it there. I went from under 15, I went to under 17. Um, and then we went to, I sort of went to the first team for a while, went to the reserves for a while, and then back to the first team. Um, but yeah, it was amazing to have that sort of journey all the way through. And um, I was lucky enough to sort of captain a couple of teams on the way up. And we were just lucky to be blessed with a lot of really talented players um, and being the main club in Edinburgh we all got to play together so a lot of sort of success and, and fond memories um trophy wise so yeah it was a, it was a special time and a special memory definitely am uh, i right saying at one point you uh, moved to play f- uh, football in the states is that i did yeah i went so i yeah i did uh went and played a season there um which was an amazing experience um something completely different um i'd done a year at university here um, and then I knew somebody who was out in the States, a boy I'd been at school with and played in that primary school team with, actually. Um, he was out in the States um, and got in touch to, with me to say, you know, the women's game here is amazing and I think you'd really enjoy it. Um, so I looked into it a wee bit more and I ended up doing my sort of second year of university. Um, I transferred to a uh, university in America uh, and played there for a season, which was um you know, it was their sole focus. You were only there to play football, really. You did do a bit of studying, but it was really all about the football. Uh, as a student athlete there, that's your main sort of focus and priority. And uh, it's a really short season so that you've got the rest of the year to focus on your studies. But that sort of short season um, was really intense. And, you know, we'd fly to some games and um, it was it was just such an amazing thing to, to experience, really. It's a completely different world. Um, but, yeah, it's like something out of a film I often think that's almost like a different life entirely um but yeah it was an amazing amazing thing to do so feel very lucky to have done that yeah and I mean I see I, I see players that are still aspire to do that take that leap to gain a go and there, there's players over there just now that I think one of the good examples is a uh, Christy Grimshaw who was in the States for a long time she's obviously now back over in Europe playing for AC Milan so it's a well-run path do you think it's um do you think with obviously the improvements in the game in, in Scotland, we're, we're in Scotland, so let's talk about Scotland, the improvement team in Scotland, do you think less players will take that trip or do you think that actually because of because of the kind of romance, it, there's a little bit of romance to it probably, it's fair to say. In yeah, terms there of is. That I, think, I think there's the opportunities here now are completely unrecognisable to what they were, even for me, you know, we're talking, you know, I was probably, I was 18, um, so about 10 years ago, maybe 19, Um so the opportunities here, because the game has changed so much in the last decade, it's completely different ball game. And if you know, if there's lots of opportunities here. There's apprenticeships. There's you can balance football here with studying if you want to. You can try and be a full time professional if you want to. Whereas at that time, I think it was probably a time in my life where I was I was studying law uh, as a first year and I was struggling slightly with the balance because I was also at Hibs, and um, so I was trying to commute five times a week and I was doing it without a car um, and there wasn't really any support available for me at that point um, and it was really hard going and then when you're sort of told oh football could be your main focus which is what you want uh, and you could study and you can do it in the states and you know you wouldn't have to have all these difficulties you'd be sort of fully supported in your football and, and all this sort of stuff would be done for you effectively um, and that sort of help would be there then it's a really attractive thing and you know, there's lots of things, you know, it's, lots of people go abroad for lots of different reasons, that lifestyle, that, to get that sort of independent, I've always been quite independent, and um, at 18, it's something I felt ready to do, was to go to another country and just kind of build a life there, um, 
and you know I'm still friends with a lot of people that I met there and um, yeah it's just an amazing experience different culture different climate I, somewhere I'd never been before I'd never even been to America before I went so looking back that seems a bit <laughs> a bit <laughs> risky but um, I don't know maybe <laughs> no I, I mean I, I completely agree with you yeah I, I completely agree with you in that kind of taking that big taking the plunge and then trying something yeah. like that. And I, I think it's something that I think will, I think will continue. And from my experiences of women's football, football in Scotland, I think it will continue. But um, we, you are back in Scotland just now, part of the reason why we're talking. Um, you're at Hearts. Uh, are you a Hearts fan? Is that? I definitely am now. Yeah, I didn't grow up <laughs> as a Hearts fan, but I definitely am now. Yeah, <laughs> I have uh, been sort of totally pulled in uh, by the club. I think I felt really at home at Hearts as soon as I joined, um, for one reason or another, I don't know. Uh, it just all seemed to, to fit into place there. Um, and yeah, I really, really love my time at Hearts so far. So how, how did the move to Hearts come about? Um, I'd actually not been playing for a while. Um, I had a bad knee injury and it was my kind of final uh, year at university. So I'd taken some time out, hadn't recovered from my operation too well. Um, so it was a bit slow kind of coming back into it uh, and was trying to sort of still make the Glasgow to Edinburgh commute work. So I was still living in Edinburgh and studying Glasgow at that point. Um, it was quite difficult. So uh, yeah, it was something I knew some people at Hearts. I knew the coach at Hearts at the time. Um, and it just seemed like a, a good place to kind of get my, my feet back in, in the game, if you like. And, and it turned out to be one of the best decisions I've, I've ever made. I, I mean, that's great. So, I mean, in terms of like getting your feet back in the game after that injury, did that feel strange or was it, did it like getting back on the back in the horse? Or how, how did it feel when you kind of, when you started feeling like, actually, do you know what, I could, I could make this work again? Yeah, it was it was great. It's something that you always, you know you always want to enjoy it. You give it so much and you sacrifice so much for it. So you want to enjoy it. And it it been a difficult couple of years commuting and that sort of thing and uh, trying to make it work. And and it and it just been a real a real challenge. So um, I was kind of uh, looking forward to to having that relief and and being able to just play freely at Hearts. And um, it just so happened that Hearts were on a kind of uh, three-year journey if you like um, as, as we used to call it to, to sort of win that league um, and I came right in the middle of that uh, but the team was already quite established and the Enwood was coach at the time and, and had a firm sort of plan and I just, it made me want to be a part of it and, and luckily um, I did end up being and we did end up winning the league and that's one of my best memories in football so um, yeah really really glad that I joined when I did. I was um, speaking to one of your teammates, Claire. We're going to talk about it later. Go listen to that podcast. It'll probably be out by the time you're listening to this one. Um, and she was she was talking about it's quite a, it's quite a young squad at Hearts at the moment. Yeah. Um, and the, your captain just now as well. So, given what we were talking about earlier on about being a little bit further along in our in our life's journeys, do you do you feel that responsibility of being one of the more uh, senior players in the squad? Yeah, definitely. Uh, we've got a really young team, uh, a really talented team, um, who are going to gain so much experience I think in the next few years and, and really the sky is the limit for, for a lot of those players who could really be anything they want to be and there's there's probably quite a few with sort of real ambitions to be um, involved in football uh, for a long time maybe even at a professional level semi-professional level um, who knows but but the chances are definitely there and I think the talent's there um, obviously I'm at a, a different stage and a different career path but um, sort of loving being able to do both and 
um, support the girls. It's 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 kind of I guess you get to a stage where it's just not about you anymore. It's I, I you know I look at the academy and it's it's, it's about them um, and what you're sort of putting in place for them and that structure and on the back of that just trying to enjoy as much as as much as I can playing um, just now and playing that still playing at that level because you know we're not all going to be able to play at that at that level at, at some point you're going to have to you're either going to be professionalised out of it and it won't be suitable for people who have a full time job. Or you know, just age and stage is, is going to take its toll um, in the next wee while anyway. So uh, yeah, just trying to make the most of it and, and really relishing that that opportunity to to try and lead those girls as best I can. I always find working with people a bit younger that it's always almost like revitalising me. They always they had they do have like an enthusiasm that I don't know how life does it, but life sometimes can can batter out of you. But you can spend some time with like. Three or four people that in normal circumstances you just you, you wouldn't wouldn't do, but spend some time. Does it feel the same to you sometimes? Well, especially if you've had like a full on day at work and then you're like dragging yourself to train and it's just not being one of those being one of those days. Do you feel the same? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean they're my friends, you know. At the end of the day, and it doesn't really it doesn't. I guess it doesn't really matter what age you are. I suppose it's uh, it's almost like having another job, and sometimes you find yourself at work in that situation where somebody's much older than you or younger than you are from a completely different background, but you become friends because you spend so much time together, and it's it's definitely the same at heart. I think we've got such a a mixture of of ages and stages and and backgrounds, um, but we're quite a close knit team. And yeah, I, I I love that. And hearing you know we've got some really young players who are still at school and hear about what they're up to. <laughs> <laughs> which which always makes me laugh <laughs> um, and then you know we've got lots of students and what they're doing and lots of different workers lots of people that work shifts and things like that so a real variety um but yeah we're, we're all friends and yeah it's something I really like it's just nice to go and spend time with your friends that um something you enjoy doing especially when it comes to like making um, um, relationships with people that you have spent a lot of time with that absolutely yeah. uh, speaking of like People we have to spend a lot of time with. Obviously, football's back. So, uh, in terms of the season so far for Hearts, I think it's probably a slow start, but things start felt like they were starting to maybe come together a little bit, kind of going into December time. Yeah, absolutely. I think we had an enormous amount of change uh, in the f- sort of following the first lockdown. Um, that was really tough for us. We obviously changed manager. Um, we lost a lot of players. Uh, which was really difficult. Um, so, I mean, obviously Andy Kirk is our manager now and, and Aaron Hughes is sporting them and Paul Gregg uh, as well and sort of Lorna Essen uh, sporting on the, the goalkeeper side and we've got some kind of great background staff as well, Lisa McFarlane and uh, Louise, our physio, and they're doing an amazing job as a, as a coaching team and now they're sort of well in place and know the women's game well and uh, we know them and, and what to expect and the sort of style of play, that sort of thing just takes time to bed in. And it was time that we just didn't have after the last lockdown. We didn't have a long preseason. Um, it was completely new. Um, it was new to everybody. Um, and we, we weren't blessed with a very big squad at that point. So we were asking a, a lot from some very young players um, and bringing them up um, from our under 19 squad. And they did amazing um, to cope with it the way that they, they did um, in what was maybe slightly unfair to, to put that sort of pressure on them. Um, but it's, it's paid dividends now, I would say, in that first round of fixtures, it was really tough. It was really tough for us to, to sort of bed in. Um, but I think we've come back after this lockdown in, in a much better position. And it certainly feels a lot different to me. Everybody's, well, the one thing that, we, that we've that we always had is, is a really good spirit, even when things weren't going so well. 
and that's that probably comes from from Andy being really um, enthusiastic and, and knowing that even if your results on Sunday are bad, then we need to put it to bed and still have a good atmosphere at trade and and keep keep working hard and keep that sort of positivity going because that'll help your results at the end of the day. So um, we've come back. I would say hopefully a bit fitter um, and a lot our game understanding. I think of, of what's expected of us. Um, at hearts this year and what, what Andy wants and how we're going to play is definitely improved. So, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully a, a good round of fixtures for us coming up. Um, and it starts obviously on, on Sunday against Rangers at Orion. Game's on the BBC Sport Online website, so a bit of live coverage for that as well. Um, I mean, it's, it's probably as, as tough as it could have been in terms of coming back after, after the break. Um, what's your thoughts on the head of that game? Yeah, I mean, it's we've got quite a tough start, but the, these games are they come thick and fast in this league. There's no doubt about that. We've got Rangers and Celtic to kick, to kick off, and it's not it's not a start anybody would have chosen. But um, you know, those teams are great teams, and they've got incredibly talented players, and they have just gone from strength to strength to see some of the signings that they've made in in uh, lockdown, and it's amazing really to see the, the sort of talent that, that they're able to attract. So yeah, we're looking forward to testing ourselves against them. Um, in the first game against Rangers, we did really, really well. Um, I wasn't playing that game. I had a little injury, so um, I was able to watch, and I was just so proud of the performance that the girls put in, because particularly the first half, it was it was an excellent performance. Um, and then really it was just kind of fitness maybe told uh, towards the end of the game, which which is always going to happen when you've got a, a mixed professional and amateur league. Because that expectation is... is uh, you know, you can only expect so much from your players and they give absolutely everything they had um, and, and what a performance to put in. And it was a very uh, sort of respectful result against Rangers. So hopefully we can do the same again and, and improve on it further um, now that we've sort of got a better understanding of, of how we're going to play and um, a better fitness level and, and just uh, a better understanding of each other, really. What's, um, what's the expectation for this, this kind of set? Second, I'm going to call it a second part. It's not really half. It's kind of second part of the season. Um, obviously, at the moment, uh, what the table, but it's close down there. You obviously at Motherwell at the same points as Motherwell within reach of far, far. Like, is it a case of just trying to see how how far up that table you can kind of get yourselves? Yeah, it's not something we talk about. I think certainly from my point of view, this is a completely new start. Um, I think things were so up in the air for us uh, in sort of September, October time that that first round of fixtures as well as seeming like a really long time ago, it's a completely different setup that we've got now. Um, so yeah, this is a completely fresh start for us. And we don't have the table, you know, we don't haven't really looked at that at all or thought about it much. It's, it's not quite so relevant this year. Um, for us, it was always going to be a building year for us with so many changes. Um, and obviously a step up to, to what is now a professional league for the first time. So um, yeah, that's not quite quite as important to us. Obviously, we want to, to do as well as we can. And things were really starting to come together at the end of uh, the last period. We also got a, a great result against Hibs, um, and we were very unlucky um, not to, to get a better result in a couple of other games. So, um, yeah, I think we definitely steadied the ship and, and now ready to, to kick on. And from all the signs that I've seen, everybody's in, in high spirits and, and really looking forward to, to the Rangers game and that'll be a massive test there's no doubt about that but um, that's what we're all trying to play at this level and, and match that as best we can and um, give a good account of ourselves and, and that hearts badge Yeah absolutely and I, I, I'm very much looking forward to having some SWPL back this weekend as well um, <laughs> let's let's talk about Big Hearts though because I, I do want to talk about it because it's a 
very, I was going to say very worthwhile cause, and that sounded very condescending. It's not what I meant. Not how I meant it. <laughs> but uh, can you, um, for anybody that doesn't know, can you explain a little bit about kind of what Big Hearts is and kind of what what it does? Yeah, so Big Hearts is a sort of community organisation that supports um, people uh, in the local area. Uh, obviously, there's a connection with Hearts, but it also supports um, other people and it supports people uh, in sort of wider Edinburgh now as well. Um, there's been a huge amount of, of growth uh, over the last few years and I think that'll just continue um, run lots of lots of uh, different programs really focusing on uh, sort of main issues that we've identified in the community um, and that's one of the things that the new trustees um, are playing a part in developing the sort of new strategy for the next few years and looking at what what sort of areas we, we might want to, to target so it was really set we were really set up to sort of tackle social isolation and um, which has never been more relevant uh, than now um, so there's uh, numerous programs that Big Hearts have run because they've just gone from strength to strength in the last few years and they've run things like the changing room which is um, for mental health support there's lots of sort of cultural support um, there's kinship care support there's food bank support uh, there's lots and lots of support available to people in the local area uh, and beyond and I think in, in lockdown um, Big Hearts has become sort of a community anchor if you like and starts um, and it's really sort of helped other charities as well as helping people and um, what's the real benefit of being sort of established for, for a little while now um, so yeah we're just looking to go from strength to strength as well and, and help as many people as we can and um, reach out to local schools and um, all the participants that, that have been in the Big Hearts programs before um, and volunteers that have joined over lockdown which has been amazing to see the, the sort of increase in that so um, yeah, all, all positive and uh, looking forward to developing the new strategy and working out exactly what issues um, we want to target for the next three years. There's always been a, as particularly as you kind of alluded to already, there's been a lot of chat about community and, and football clubs and how everything can kind of come together. And I think it's been one of the things that come out of what there is, the impact that football can have either directly or indirectly. Um, on, a, on a community, do you think that's something that when everything goes back to normal, um, you think that will continue? I mean, my feeling is that that will continue. It won't be one of these things that we've just all done it for this twelve months. Now. When we go back, we'll just be the same as. Do you think it's something that will hopefully even maybe even grow actually even further once people can get out there a bit more? Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that's been been hugely missed, and I think football plays a massive part in um, really just connecting people. I think that's the main key. Um, there's lots and lots of um, people that, that use it as an escape and they don't realise they're doing it. It's such a social thing. Um, it's it's a way to tackle many, many things in society. I think uh, there's a huge um, sort of attraction to being part of something. Uh, you know, as a fan, as a player, as a staff member, you're all sort of pulling in the same direction. I think it's really nice uh, for, for people to have that connection to something. Um, and obviously a football club gives you that sort of base, so, which, which big hearts definitely, definitely use. And, you know, it's something, um, some incredible stats that, that, that come out that you think that, that can't be true. But, you know, one in three children in Gorgie um, live, live in poverty. You know, it's, that's an incredible sort of stat. And that sort of thing is something that big hearts and hearts um, are obviously keen to do something about. And, um, yeah, football definitely gives gives you a great base to do that and reach a lot of people and connect to a lot of people. Um, whether you're a Hearts fan or not, it's something that you know is in your community and, and they will be there for you. So, um, yeah, I think 
football's got a huge part to play and I think everybody will be delighted when it's back and we've got things like Talk of the Tune, which is a, a sort of more informal Big Hearts programme, if you like. It's run by volunteers and people can drop in and drop out and it's to kind of simulate um, just an afternoon at football talking with your friends um, about the game and that sort of thing. And the uptake has been has been amazing with people missing that so much. Um, so, yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll get back soon and people will be able to go to the stadium and enjoy that, that connection again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, bring back Saturdays or Sundays, because you know Sundays. <laughs> Sundays count too, as I, I, I always like to say whenever I speak to somebody about football. Um, I'd, let's let's kind of finish off in some some kind of lighthearted stuff. Uh, I always like to ask him kind of random questions based around football and kind of life in general. So it's nothing nothing controversial. Never is, never will be. But um, first of all, who's the best player that you've uh, played with in your time? Oh, good question. Caroline Weir, probably. It's a pretty, pretty solid shout, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then in terms of best player you played against? That's a really good question. Probably Jess Fishlock. When did you play against Jess? Uh, she was at uh, Glasgow City. Oh, of course. Uh, of course, of course. Uh, are you sweet or savoury? Savoury. Savoury. Uh, is there anything in particular that can... Uh, um, no, not really. No, nah, I mean to be fair, I'm I'm savoury as well. I think if you give me the option, I'll always I'll always go for the starter over the dessert. That's been yes, me That's what yeah. I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's exactly it. Um, starters are starters are class. Uh, but if I if I was to suggest something sweet to you, I would suggest Tunnock's products. So they make four of them, which is the caramel wafer, the caramel log, the tea cake, and the snowball. If you can only pick one. Which one would it be? Oh. Probably a caramel wafer. Is there any any specific reason for the wafer? Uh, it's my dad's favourite chocolate, so it was always in the house when I was young. Nice. So probably just that. <laughs> no, I mean that that's that's pretty good. Nostalgia is always a good tick box when it comes yeah. to this kind of stuff. Um, what about on your Spotify playlist? Are you have you got any kind of things you're listening to on repeat at the moment, or is it just a mishmash of everything? A bit of a mishmash. I'm a bit of a sucker for a daily mix. And a sort of uh, good morning playlist and that sort of thing. <laughs> so I really just let them tell me what I'm listening to. I, yeah, do you know what? Same. Sometimes, sometimes you wake up and you just you don't really know what you want to listen to, so you just whack it on and see see what happens. As long as, good for a, as long as it's kind of happy, then I'm good. Yeah, same. It's usually good for a wee nostalgia trip as well, which is always it's always fun. Uh, what about kind of box sets streaming? Are you watching anything on Netflix? Anything on the TV just now? That's can you uh, over? Line of Duty. Oh, of course. Has become a lockdown, which just coincidentally, I'd, I just started watching uh, like the first five seasons and then six months has come out. So that was excellent timing. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, because I think that's what happened. Because I didn't watch it from the start. I think it was maybe two or three series. And I did the same thing. I basically just binged them like ridiculously. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah, was like so quick. And I think I just didn't sleep for like a couple of nights. So. <laughs> I was like, okay, just get this out of the way and it's done. But um, yes, Line of Duty. We won't talk about it because obviously we don't know where people are in it. But um, yeah, Line of Duty is a good shout. Uh, I'll tell you what, last question then. Uh, Say everything goes amazing and, I don't know, the SWPL Cup comes back or something at the end of the season because everything gets sorted and Hearts go on and and they win it and you're put in charge of the night out. Where would you go? Where'd you go? What'd you do? Oh, God, that's that's a massive question. (laughs) 
that's a, that's the biggest responsibility I would have to be in charge of the night. <laughs> I I need to consider that carefully. That way, I couldn't get that wrong. That would be. I can't wait to wake up with you now. <laughs> We've not managed to have one at all. Who, uh, who usually uh, takes the lead in those? Um, or uh, do, do you take the lead? Do you just? Um, I would probably be in a couple of other players. It's, we've got such a different team now that, that we've not we not had on at all with this team. Ah, that's, so, well, that's true. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd probably maybe Lisa McFarlane actually maybe get, cool. say she's she's like an excellent organizer and like she likes a night out, so I'd probably leave it to her. Perfect. Well, we'll get we'll let Lisa one day. We'll Lisa maybe divulge what the night out would be in a well good. Um, but and I think that's everything for me. Um, Manuel, thank you very much for coming on. It's really appreciated. Thanks for having me, Chris. No, no worries at all. And um, thank you very much for listening. Obviously, go go check out Big Hearts. It's a wonderful organisation. I'm not a Hearts fan, so this is not me being all jambo and pushing it. Um, go go have a look at it. And as Mario says, the talk of the tune stuff is, is wonderful. It's very much Saturday afternoons in a, in a slightly different world. So go have a look. Um, but thank you very much for listening. Um, stay safe. Go watch the SWPL this weekend if you haven't already and keep watching it for until the end of the season. And um, we'll speak again soon. Catch you later. <laughs>